Hello and welcome to Setting the Skein. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. And Tristan, why are you not here two weeks in a row? How dare you? I feel you? like you really would have liked this movie too. He would have. He would have. But you know what? Tristan's uh, flagrant disregard for uh, for watching films with his friends aside uh we are fortunate enough to have a very special guest with us this week ben. that is true we are and uh listeners if you think that our review of face off uh in which we had to talk about john travolta playing nicholas cage playing john travolta and nicholas cage confusing. pretending to be john travolta pretending to be nicholas cage yeah, yeah yeah well if you thought that was confusing it's not going to be as confusing as this week because joining our joining our lovely little podcast group is yet another Ben. We have Ben Robertson with us here today. Uh, ben, thank you so much for being on the uh, podcast with you. Oh, wait, hold on. Another Ben. <laughs> well, no, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? And uh, yeah. Uh, hello. It is my uh, delight and, and honor to be with you. And um you know, I will try to be the best uh, guest that I can be. I am originally from Louisville, Kentucky, and currently live in Madison, Mississippi, uh, where uh, I get to work with Doug, which is uh, my delight. And so um, it, it is, uh, but I've been a movie fan for many, many years. Um, began with uh, my dad taking me to the movies uh, when I was a wee child. and um, A wee lad. A wee lad, and so it is. It is good to be with you. Right. Thank you. So, just out of curiosity, uh, what is your favorite thing about working with Kerman Douglas Good in the second? The the jokes. He, he just sort of walks into my office and just launches into jokes. You know, no hello, no, no none of the usual <laughs> uh, beginning of a conversation. You know, um, you know, all of that uh, formality is out the door. It's just, you know, it just launches right into, um, you know, a joke uh, or a, a story. And um, but that's like that, I enjoy that very much. It sounds exactly like Doug. Yeah, as as Doug, as our resident Doug, I can attest to the fact that that does sound exactly like what Doug would do. Um, so but, this uh, week uh, we are actually watching a movie that I think has some relation to at least three of us, Ben. I'm not sure about you because I literally just met you tonight. But I know in the past, all the three uh, of us that are regulars all cook in some fashion. Uh, Elijah and his girlfriend, Rebecca, even have their own show. And it's adorable. It is. And I would love, Most adorable I, thing in the world. I, I texted Rebecca a few weeks ago and was asking for merch. Um, but, but y'all, I will also, uh, just speaking on, uh, Ben's behalf, Ben also is a, uh, uh, a widely regarded cook here in, uh, Mass in Mississippi. Oh, good. Um, so we so, all cook. So yeah. And Tristan uh, even cooks and he's not here. Yeah. I don't cook. I try to cook. Hey, you made that chicken parm one? <laughs> we, we do have some nice custom aprons, uh, courtesy of my mother. There you Ooh. go. I think you when know, I did. We need to call up the executives at Vider Media and see if we can get this show on the road for real. I'm sorry to cut you off, Ben. No, no, I apologize. Um, I was just uh, adding, you know, that I did wait tables for uh, at least one summer, and so um, and worked as a dishwasher one summer, and so I've sort of seen the uh, the back of the house of the food industry. 
Huh. Well, you know, like like Ben said, you know, this week we're talking about a movie that's all wrapped up in the food industry, all wrapped up in food, because folks, this week we watched 2014's Chef, uh, directed and written and produced by John Favreau. Starring uh, John Favreau. Starring John Favreau of Iron Man, I remember Favreau. Star Wars. I would say Favreau because Favreau. Uh, because uh, it's it's the only way he's ever been referred to in interviews. Um, I'm, Johnny Fabs, Johnny Fabs. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, uh, this is Chef, starring John Favreau, Sofia Vergara, John Leguizamo, back to back week, back to back weeks with uh, John Leguizamo, uh, MJ Anthony, Scarlett Johansson, Robert Downey Jr., Dustin Hoffman, and the great American uh, musician. Uh, Gary, crap! I forgot his last name. <laughs> Dang it! I literally uh, listeners. I, the man's name is Gary. Gary Clark, Clark Jr. And Gary and I, Clark Jr. Ben and I, uh, Ben Tangersley and I, at least both like Gary Clark Jr.'s music. And we were talking about him being in this movie before we started recording. And Doug was like, "Yes, I am familiar with Gary Clark Jr., the American musician," as he just read off the Wikipedia page or whatever. That was so good, in case Doug. you were curious, uh, I just looked it up. It is indeed Favreau. <laughs> okay. At least Very according good. to the random YouTube video that I watched. Very good. Very good. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we're watching. We talked about shit. We're talking about Chef this week. Uh, ratings wise, this movie has a 7.3 out of 10 on Imdaba uh, and 87% on the Rottenest of Tomatoes. A 3 out of 5 on RateYourMovie.com. Interesting one to add to the mix. Uh, and 89% on the Google. And Ben, you have Common Sense Media pulled up. Yes, I do. Uh, they have four stars out of five. Hey, great, great stuff. And uh, this movie, money-wise, because money's always important. Um, except in this movie. Except in this movie. We'll get into it. Uh, this movie was made on a budget of $11 million, and it grossed $48.4 million. Um, so, yeah, overall, pretty successful movie. Uh, and I know that, uh, Ben Robertson and I have seen this movie before, uh, Ben and Elijah, um, have, what, what's y'all's experience with this? Cause I know that you haven't seen it before tonight, but what, what was sort of your expectation coming in for it? Uh, so yes, like you said, I've not seen this movie. However, uh, I watched several cooks on YouTube. Uh, one of which is Binging with Babish. Mm. Um, and he has done several episodes, or at least one episode with uh, John Favreau, uh, where they cooked something from Chef. Uh, so that was my first exposure to the movie. And I would constantly see it on Netflix and think, hmm, I'd probably like that. And then scroll right past it. <clears throat> Only to my dismay to find out when I tried to pull it up tonight for us to watch that it is no longer on Netflix. Despite the fact that I thought it was a Netflix original. <laughs> so yeah. we, I learned something new tonight. Yeah. 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 Uh, Elijah, did, did you have any preconceived notions about Chef coming into it? No, I saw the trailer and that was it. That was my only exposure. Yeah, I figured I was about... getting into a, you know, one of those movies about somebody who just chases their creative passions all the time, which I'm down for. That sounds like a good movie to me. Yeah. And uh, I... I saw this movie for the first time this past year on my quest to watch 200 movies. Uh, and I think, I think it ranked in like the top 100, top 50 
Um, but yeah, you know, I, I thought it was very good. Uh, Ben Robertson, um, what, uh, what's your relationship with this movie or your experience with this movie? You know, I, uh, I actually saw this movie in the theaters, um, when it first came out, I'm not sure what, um, inspired me to, to go see it. Um, but, uh, you know, saw it in the theater, uh, really enjoyed it. And this is a movie that I have come back to time and time again. Um, you know, one of those movies that, you know, even if it's halfway, even if, you know, you're only watch part of it or, uh, you watch part of it one night and part of it the next night, you know, it's, um, I enjoy it every time and laugh at the jokes and enjoy the music and, uh, salivate at the food and um so you know i've uh, i've uh, this has been you know one of my favorites for you know since it came out interesting bit of trivia you mentioned binging with babish mm-hmm. um john the fork that john favreau uses in the scene where he makes the mm-hmm. pasta uh, for pasta scarlett fork. johansson the pasta fork he um gave that fork the one the prop that he used in that scene to andrew ray binging with uh, the babish and uh he'll often make reference to that um or use it on his youtube channel yep anytime he makes pasta that's what he uses even yeah. in the video that he released uh this last week uh where he recreated um meat getting and spagball from uh yes and Dad. Uh, mm-hmm. even with that still used it and I think it's I think it's very uh, just sort of uh, not to get off on binging with Babish rant, but you know we all love Andrew Ray over here. Um, but Andrew I love Ray, the fact, we know you're listening to the podcast. Andrew Ray, we, we know, would love for you to be a guest. Andrew Ray, if you ever want to come on this podcast, we will move heaven and earth to make that happen. <laughs> um, but but I love the fact that every time he uses the pasta fork, A, he makes a reference to the fact that it's from Chef, and B, he talks about the fact that, you know, uh, to anyone who thinks I should frame this, uh, shut up. It's a, it's a utensil that needs to be used in the kitchen, and I will continue to use it in the kitchen. And I just love that, uh, which does bring me into the first thing that I want to talk about with this movie. Before and- you get to there, uh, I actually just have a random quick thing I want to say about Bending with Babish. Um <laughs> sorry um so i'm i'm almost positive he doesn't actually listen um i say this because i actually messaged him on instagram um i recently got a pizza stone and i was like you know what i don't think they'll respond but let me reach out to the cooks that i watch on youtube to see if i can get a recommendation so i sent him an instagram message and then i also sent one to joshua weissman um who is like a legit chef before he uh went into youtube and uh, neither one of them responded to me. Well, Ben, thanks for telling that disappointing story. <laughs> you are welcome. Hey, if it makes you feel any better, um, I have reached out to multiple uh, YouTube personalities that I follow um, on Instagram and things like that. Um, and I have reached out to them multiple times and been like, hey, you want to be on tea? It would be a lot of fun. Uh, and that never happens. I think the best traction we've ever gotten with a celebrity is Taylor... What's her last name? Daniel Sharpborn Lava Girl. Daniel. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because sure we sent her a copy of the podcast and she actually listened to it. It was great. Good stuff. Um, but anyway, uh, so oh, I'm sorry, so Taylor talking, Dooley. Taylor Dooley. So so we're talking about 
this movie chef and obviously with the title like that food is going to play a very integral part to it but i think that this movie and i think ben spoke to it uh previously is just like food in film is just naturally at least in my experience something that is always sort of uh comforting or it's food rarely shows up in film or tv or any sort of other media and fails to elicit some sort of emotional response from the audience you know something like chef or ratatouille uh one of the greatest both animated and food movies of all time um you know they they bring this nice warmth and comfort to it or something like hannibal Mm -hmm. um a television show that i know ben is uh, ben Tanger at least is a big fan of um and you know food in that in that film is used to evoke this sort of ominous dread uh in the room um i mean food and media is how andrew ray has been able to create bending with babish and now the babish culinary universe that has several different shows on it now i think he's got something like eight million subscribers on youtube i mean people like food and especially like seeing that in movies, TV, whatever. Yeah. And if you've seen the uh, YouTube video that uh, the magazine Architectural Digest did when uh, they give a tour of Andrew Ray's house, mm-hmm. uh, food media is obviously a good way to make a living. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so especially if you can actually build a following, which is always the tricky part. Yes. Once again, Andrew Wright, please come on the podcast. We would love to pick yeah. your brain about things of this nature. Um, Honestly, we'll talk Ratatouille with you. We will. I will gladly talk Ratatouille <laughs> with Andrew Wright. I would love it. it. Like, please, I would love it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, what do you think it is that really just evokes such a, a strong but also natural response to uh, food in media? Uh, what what do you think it is that gives us such a strong like connection to uh, to something when we see food presented in media? I mean, I think it, part of it's pretty simple. I mean, just people like food. Um, and I think specifically looking at like um, animated movies, animated movies always have a way to make food look so much better than it actually is. Like uh, think of the Goofy movie. You see them like lift the pizza and it's got that like cheese pool that just never seems to end like that kind of stuff doesn't exist in real life unless you have like the perfect cheese um or like in beauty and the beast the gray stuff like what's that i want to know what that is and apparently you can get it at disney world it's a goose liver pate um i don't think i want the gray stuff anymore so safe andrew (laughs) ray um we're just going to uh, see how many times we can say Andrew Ray in this podcast. Andrew Ray will be mentioned in this podcast far more than the actual movie will be. <laughs> yeah. um, Certainly yeah. more than Scarlett Johansson or Robert Downey Jr. Well, you know, it's it's funny because uh, because I whenever I think about this movie, I think about that scene where John Favreau makes pasta aglio-olio. I am so saying that wrong. Um but but he makes that pasta dish for Scarlett Johansson. And, you know, in that moment, you know, this is very uh, romantic scene, very 
uh sort of like well i think it's a romantic scene i, I think it um, tries to be but that also plays it doesn't work it, movie. It, it doesn't work because john john favreau and charlotte johansson i don't think is a combination that anybody well, they, they don't have good romantic chemistry they don't they don't it's very yeah. like familial chemistry mm-hmm. and i think that's just shot in a weird way but i think that pasta is shown and it's tried to be shown in like a romantic light and whenever i think about this movie i think about that scene and i think about that dish because i've made that dish multiple times for mm-hmm. friends of mine and it's such a warm comforting dish <laughs> that we have started to go, I make it for them whenever they're like having like a hard time. Mm-hmm. So we all have called it, uh, we all have called it the depression pasta um, because we all eat it and we associate it with these times when we're absurdly depressed. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, Ben, Elijah, do, uh, do y'all have anything to, to add on that, on that note? as to why food elicits such a strong emotional response from us. I mean, it's cool because it's not just a necessity for life. It's also a creative opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, houses are the same way. Like shelter is just one of the basic necessities you need, but it's also, you know, rife with opportunity to be creative and design cool things. Um, So, you know, it, it satisfies your actual needs and also just things you want. <laughs> it's a twofer. Food is that way. Yeah. I think also people connect with, people connect over food. And so often when food is a component in a film that it is also enhancing our understanding of the relationship in the film, you know, I think about one of my favorite food movies, Big Night, and there's a wonderful scene at the very end of the movie where the two main characters, the two brothers, you know, Stanley Tucci and Tony Shalhoub, they've had this huge, massive argument, um, and you know, a, an argument, you know, I mean, and, and they also get into like a fight, um, and you know, it's it's the kind of argument and the kind of fight that could really break. Um, and estrange two brothers uh, but then at the very end of the movie you know they don't talk they don't um, even look at each other but Stanley Tucci makes his brother some scrambled eggs um, and he they eat it together and then they put their arms around each other and you know that they are reconciled and um, you know you can't do that um, Food is such a wonderful way to convey that kind of um, emotional journey between, you know, between characters in a film that, you know, other vehicles may not be able to. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, food heals. Food does heal. Shout out to the depression pasta from Chef. (laughs) Um. Also, this is completely unrelated, but you mentioned Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub is just an enigma to me as an actor <laughs> because the three things that pop to mind when I think of Tony Shalhoub, Monk, okay. he plays, um, what's his name? 
He's in Galaxy Quest. That's what he is in Galaxy, Galaxy Quest. Quest. You're I actually wasn't the ones I was right. say. He's in Galaxy Quest. I actually wasn't one of the ones I was going to say. I was going to say greatest science fiction movies ever made. Sure he's is. Also, um, the bad guy in Spy Kids. He is. Oh, yeah. Yes, Minion. And then he's also Minion. That's his name. I, I know it wasn't like Kenshmer, but yes, Minion. And then the other one that I think of is uh, he plays the pawn shop owner in Men in Black, whose head grows back when it gets shot off. And just like the versatility that he brings to those roles just blows my mind. You know, and it's always just such like a weird niche role. Yeah. You know, talking talking about Tony Shalhoub's uh, versatility as an actor, uh, you know, this is the second week in a row that we've got to talk about our boy John Leguizamo. And, you know, once again, that man has range for days. And, you know, I have zero doubt in my mind that he could be a sous chef at the finest of restaurants or food trucks. But, you know, I think that is something that this movie does really well because this movie was able to capture such an interesting part of like restaurant culture and uh, sort of societal like shift because, Mm -hmm. you know, this movie came out in 2014 right as we started to see this sort of mass exodus from from food can only be a restaurant thing to food can be you can have high quality food at a food truck you can have high quality food at a pop-up you can and i i think it's i think it's i think it's really interesting what this movie was able to capture with that what what were y'all's thoughts on that I mean, I would definitely agree. Like some of the best food that I have or that I've had has not been at some fancy restaurant. It's at some place that you blink and you miss it. Or like you look at it, it's like, there's no way. I mean, I have a running theory that I've yet to see disproven that the best place to get barbecue is the place that is run down. Uh, it does not look like a health inspector would get within 10 miles of that place but you can smell it from like five miles away. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <clears throat> if if it's clean, it's not worth getting. Right. Yeah. That mojo does not contribute to their health score. It, well, but it, it contributes to the flavor though. <laughs> but you know, you know, hey, hear me out though. You do not go into a great rest- into a great barbecue restaurant because they have a great health score. You go in there and hope that they have a great health score. <laughs> You go in there because that is some of the most delicious food in the world if it's done right. Yes, absolutely. But uh, I think social media has definitely helped a lot with um, like uh, these different restaurants um, that are, I guess, more non-traditional. I don't even want to say non-traditional, but like these different restaurants that you wouldn't expect, I guess. Uh, Social media has kind of helped them build up to what they are because, I mean, you look at even something like Wendy's, like the social media f- person for Wendy's is probably one of the best people at their, or like one of the people who is the best at their job in the, in the industry because they've managed to build such a following just by getting on Twitter and insulting other brands. That's and a it, good example of what kind of goes on in this movie. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. And, you know, I, I, I also think about like a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Joe Nedza mm-hmm. uh, in Athens, who has, you know, 
like he's built a lot of his brand off of having a strong social media presence um and it works out for him mm-hmm. in in incredible ways yeah um, i mean he started off doing nuts out of a food truck or yeah. pop-ups yeah shout out to joe nedza mm-hmm. good guy good guy love joe being a kentuckian i have to mention one of the greatest um things i've ever seen on food social media is uh the official Kentucky Fried Chicken Twitter account follows 11 people, um, the five Spice Girls, and six guys named Herb. So 11 herbs and spices. Oh, I, I, love that. <laughs> I didn't know that, but that is the, that's one of the greatest things that's ever been brought to my attention. That's hilarious. I'm saying in this movie, we see social media play a huge role. I mean, it's the driving force of the movie. It's how, um, what's John Favreau's name in this movie? Carl. Carl. Uh, yeah, it's how Carl becomes a hit. Uh, his son ends up using it, puts him on Vine of all places. You remember that from like Rip a Vine. long time ago, pre, the, from the pre-pandemic times. Um, I would say, I would say, any kids that are listening, uh, you know, <laughs> if you don't know what Vine is, it's like TikTok before TikTok. But given I given the fact that I know who our listenership is, um, everybody who listens to this podcast knows what Vine is. So, yeah, I mean, unless Andrew Ray happens to retweet this episode and, you know, there's millions of followers. Just want to point that one out there. Uh, Andrew Ray, we look forward to working <laughs> with you. <laughs> so I feel like if we just keep saying his name, he'll just <laughs> pop up at some point. But, um, like well, yeah, I mean. Juice. Sorry, go ahead. I was saying it was like Beetlejuice. Yeah, you, know, you say it enough times, he appears. See, yeah. see, my head went to uh, that uh, that financial theory, the secret. Uh, you know, you you speak something into existence, and it should happen. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's where my mind went anyway. All right. Yeah, uh, but guys, you want to know something really interesting? Uh, and this actually has has a lot to do with uh with our guest because uh when when I asked Ben to come on the podcast, uh he said, you know, I want to do some some research into John Favreau's food journey. And he said, and he said, is is that something that like y'all do? Do y'all do a lot of research? Um and I said, no, not in the slightest. Um and he said, okay, cool. I'm gonna do some research into it. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, Ben, what what are some of your findings that you found about John Favreau's food journey? I, I would love to hear your findings on that. <laughs> well, I mean, research is is very generous, you know. I mean, you know, looking things up, you know, on on the interwebs and and watching YouTube's was the extent of my research. But I, I did, I, I was very impressed. I made the presumption that when the um, movie came out, you know, that it was really John Favreau who was doing a lot of the, you know, there's that wonderful sort of montage in the beginning where he's chopping and getting all the mise en place ready and all of that. And, um, you know, it is actually unlike some films where an actor is portraying uh, a musician or, you know, someone with a particular physical skill and they, you know, through camera work, uh, you know, actually have, you know, someone else doing those playing the piano or do, you know, doing those things. 
um, he actually learned how to, you know, he went to cooking school um, to get some basic knife skills and basic cooking skills. Um, he, he connected and, you know, sort of hired as a consultant, um, but he was really more than a consultant. He was practically, you know, helping direct the picture, um, a chef named Roy Choi, who you may have heard of, you know, he was one of the first big food truck chefs. Um, he started the Kogi truck in LA, um, which is Korean barbecue. And, um, you know, John Favreau went and worked in some of um, Roy Choi's kitchens, you know, to work on the line to, you know, learn what it's like to, to be a chef. And, um, and that relationship has continued. Um, on Netflix, there's a kind of spin-off series called The Chef Show. And it's John Favreau and Roy Choi and other guests. Um, uh, by the way, a coincidence, Andrew Ray is one of their guests yeah. uh, on The Chef Show. Um, and, you know, exploring different foods and visiting with different um, chefs. And um, I was very impressed and very um, happy about is not the best word, but I can't think of another one, you know, that John Favreau really threw himself into this role. And it wasn't like, you know, an actor who plays a baseball player in a movie who obviously has no business playing baseball or playing the guitar or whatever. Um, but in this film, you know, he really learned um, what it was like to be a professional chef, you know, in a professional kitchen, what skills are necessary. And that has been a skill and um, a passion of his since the movie came out and um, continues to be something that, you know, he cooks for his family. Um, you know, he tries to uh, promote chefs um, through his, you know, social media powers. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, it, it was more than just bringing on, you know, some experts to teach the actor how to do something in a day. It really became, you know, something that's a big part of um, John Favreau's life, it seems. And I think it's really interesting the fact that, um, you know, in addition to the fact that John Favreau has built this name for himself as a great uh, creator of, creator of, media for big names like Marvel and Star Wars. And, you know, he does, he does huge projects like the Mandalorian and works on uh, certain MCU movies every now and then still does cameos in those. I love the fact that uh, in addition to all of that, because of this little movie that he did in 2014, he's now also garnered this reputation as a guy who actually like knows a decent amount about food and about what it means to be a chef. This started with Monica on Friends. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm now convinced about. <clears throat> yep. He wanted to become the ultimate everything. And now he's become the ultimate um, movie person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it all started with him <clears throat> dating Monica and also trying to get her to be the chef in his restaurant. Mm -hmm. That's what happened on Friends. Also, let's not forget. He also directed Elf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I always forget that, and then I watch Elf and it says directed by John Favreau. I'm like, and oh, he's also in Elf. Yeah, which is which is great. You know, he has to tell uh, Will Ferrell to stop eating cotton balls. 
It's great stuff. <laughs> but, you know, I'll be real with you. Uh, when when I recommended that we do this movie for the podcast, um, I knew that I really enjoyed it. Um, when Ben uh, came on to uh, agree to come on as a guest, I knew that he really enjoyed it. Uh, and I thought that Ben and Elijah would really enjoy it. But I also knew that, you know, we're all a bunch of really cynical people. So there had to be some flaws in it. And I'll be one to say that uh, one of the first flaws that I found with it was a big flaw that Ben found with it. Um, ben, the story in this movie is not great. No, it's not. Uh, so pretty much, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, you come into the story, it takes you on an anxiety-inducing roller coaster for like the first like 30, 45 minutes of the movie. And then it calms down a lot and just kind of it's a smooth ride from there. And honestly, it's a little shocking because um, like shocking. they they set it up in a way that like there could be more conflict in the rest of the movie. Like, oh, they're going to Florida. Well, what is John Favreau going to do? Um, oh, they've got this food truck. How are how are they going to make it? And but no, everything's just an instant success and money. Who needs money years? <laughs> Uh, the former line cook turned sous chef follows, just drops everything, quits his job and says, I'm going to be a line cook for you. It doesn't pay anything. No, that's fine. I just want to come along for the ride. And it's just like, apparently there are no problems. Uh, John Favreau and his son uh, get into a fight, but it's okay. Cause it almost immediately ends after he says, I'm sorry for being mean to you, son. And I don't know. It just felt like the first you know, half of this movie, they got all of the, intensity out and then the second half feels like a completely different movie where it's just when, like you know let, let's have some fun so so this is the third time that i've watched this movie the first time i watched it i really paid attention to it i like focused in dialed in was laser focused on this movie mm-hmm. and really enjoyed it second time i watched it kind of watched it in the background and then this time again i try to be as laser focused as possible because you know i try to i try at least look like i know what i'm talking about when we do the show but um but it felt like it felt like an episode of kitchen nightmares in reverse because and the episode that comes to mind is the oh my goodness it's like the lucky bistro where gordon ramsay goes into this restaurant and he meets the owner and the owner's like i've been trained by the best chefs in europe and everything like that um, and Gordon Ramsay comes in and he's thinking, oh man, this is going to be so great. Like it sounds fresh and you know, it's kitchen nightmare. So you know, that it's not going to be great. Um, and then, you know, it just takes a sharp, sharp turn into tension and frustration and drama. And then you have your little bit of a resolution at the end of it. This movie starts out with the high impact drama. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a, this is a, this is a high, a high rated kitchen this is a this is fine art cuisine dustin um, hoffman comes in and says hey you're gonna cook the stuff that you've been cooking for 10 years that's why the people are here dustin hoffman comes in i don't even know if they gave him a script um i think he just came in and was like i am hoffman and mm-hmm. he just exuded every the ounce hoff. of it every ounce of energy that he is dustin hoffman carried he he came in i think this is what happened i think dustin hoffman walked on set shotgun to beer um <laughs> said 
said, I was in the graduate Amray, man, let's do this. Uh, and just started riffing and they filmed the whole thing. Yeah. And then he left for the rest of the movie. Yeah, because one I mean, take and I'm out. Yeah. Okay, full disclosure. Now that I say that out loud, that would not surprise me in the slightest if that's actually no, I mean, what it really wouldn't. did. Um, and I, I guess, like, because of that, this movie feels almost, I don't know if incomplete is the right word, but it feels like it could have been so much better. But, like, yeah. you get into the second half of this movie and you think, okay, well, this movie still has stakes. Um, like, where are they going to get money from? Are they going to make it? Um this man just gave his son a chef's knife. Is he going to hurt himself with it? Oh, okay, yeah. No, I Okay, full disclosure, I had no concerns when I saw that scene. Um, and actually, I saw that scene tonight, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's such a sweet scene. I mean, that's it so is, sweet. but at the same time, he's a 10-year-old. Yeah, well, they. I think what you're saying is they set us up for a lot of tension that right. they didn't actually give us. Right, and then another They're, thing, like yeah. they have that like pseudo romantic scene with Scarlett Johansson, and then yeah. he just leaves, and he never I, sees her again. Oh, and then yeah. he marries his ex wife uh, after they accidentally say "I love you" to each other. Right. That they don't explain random. any of what happens in the interim. Oh, the, and money. Well, we're not concerned about money. Uh, we don't need it. Oh, the food critic came back and wants to bankroll us. Cool, we'll take your money. Like, right? It just doesn't the, make sense. The movie was too long, and it it blew a lot of time early on with stuff that didn't really need to take up screen time. Mm -hmm. And I think the worst offender is Robert Downey Jr. scene. Although I am a fan of his, um, he wasn't he as funny as I hoped it would be in that in that scene. And that was his only scene, and we did not need it in the slightest. And okay. so there's a bunch of that stuff for a right, couple the only hours, thing and then that he we does. get to. Then we get to the end of the movie, and like you said, Ben, it just wraps it up real nicely, real quick. And right, and like they could have taken way. the first half of this movie, cut it down to like 15, 20 minutes, and then had an hour to like show John Fiverr like building this new life, having a relationship with his son, this, that, and the other, but it doesn't. Yeah. So uh so I just I just want to say this about Robert Downey Jr. saying because I'm pretty sure he's on screen for about the same amount of time that Dustin Hoffman's on screen and I think what happened is Robert Downey Jr. saw Dustin Hoffman shotgun a beer uh, come on say like I was in The Graduate and The Rain Man let's do this um, Robert Downey Jr. came on drinking all, just downed like three old fashions uh, and said so, I am Iron Man That's said, what I, was gonna say. I am Iron Man <laughs> And then he got on screen and was just like, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing in this movie either. Um, but you know what? I need some way to make my scene stand out. So here's two things we're going to do. First, everyone has to wear booties. Um, why? Reasons. Two, I'm going to imply that I had sex with your ex-wife. And then either. just kind of leave it up in the air on whether or not that actually happened. For reasons, I guess yeah uh like you could take that whole scene out of the movie and you yeah. wouldn't miss it you, you absolutely get that scene and miss nothing yeah then where are you gonna say something it it is not a complex story <laughs> and there are certainly 
movies with a whole lot more um, intricacy in terms of plot and um, and more um, you know you get much more enjoyment out of you know how the story plays out mm -hmm. while this is much more of kind of almost a fairy tale mm -hmm. and I remember sitting in the theater the first time I watched this and I, thinking to myself you know this is just way too happy you know like someone is about to get cancer someone is gonna fall into a hole I mean you know it's just you know uh you know it, it's just you know they're you know something is has to happen and this didn't you know and then all of a sudden they got married um and and part of me kind of likes that you know, I hate to admit that, you know, I'm, I'm maybe I'm just an old softy or that sort of thing. But sometimes, you know, I, I don't want, you know, I want a fairy tale, you know, I want just, you know, sort of a happy ending. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, and if I want something more complex, if I want something more, um, you know, uh, intellectually uh, engaging, then, um, you know, there are lots of movies that scratch that itch. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, this one, it was just nice to have, it, it was just nice to have a happy story <laughs> yeah. and like i get that and i don't yeah. necessarily have ne like that's not my problem with the movie my problem is that the first half of this movie is anything but that and it implies that there are going to be all these challenges in the second half of the movie that just aren't there well and I like i feel like the first half of the film sets us up for this ride and then it's like well we're gonna like you're kind of going up this roller coaster going through some loops and then suddenly you're on like i don't know the some like gentle boat ride a lazy river right well i think and it's just like shocking like i said this before the podcast it almost felt like i was like i was having whiplash because you just like come to a stop and that's a very good point i mean you know the first half of the movie is you know there is a lot of dramatic tension that's built and all of a sudden they go on a you know a mm -hmm. tour of America's of the hottest of America's hottest food cities right. with cameos with you know the hottest chefs and musicians in town and uh, and then it's like, over. So like you know, the great Gary Clark Jr. Yes, Doug, Doug, he truly is great. <laughs> Doug, I will give you twenty dollars right now if you can name one song that Gary Clark Jr. has done without googling it. Um, Gary Clark Jr. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Uh, where my train pulls in. Yeah, did you Google that? <laughs> yeah, of course I did. Of okay, course I did. you're not getting the twenty dollars. And you know what, Doug? You're it's still wrong because it's when my train pulls in. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, get, getting back to the to the point of to the point of this movie because I I kind of agree with both ends because because I would like to see a lot more complexity. But I think also there's something to be said about a movie that's just willing to give its main character like a victory lap mm -hmm. because, because, you know, you do start in a place of such high stakes and you, I, I love the fact that this movie sort of really grasped both the best and worst of, of social media and mm -hmm. blasting someone on Twitter because the, the worst part of it is John Favreau loses his job. He, he loses his job at this esteemed restaurant and everything like that. But at the same time, the movie is also going to tell you 
people are going to love your notoriety for that. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be praised for the fact that uh, you simply have a following. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, would I have liked a lot more uh, complexity and like stakes in the movie? Absolutely. But I also love sort of the, sort of the guts of the movie to just say, we're just going to give the guy a victory lap. We're going to give him a victory lap. Was there really anything keeping him from achieving that victory? Probably not, but give him a victory lap. It's fine. I don't know. It doesn't feel earned. That's, I mean, that's also fair. That's also fair. Because, like, he also makes this big to-do early in the film, because, like, at the beginning of the film, his ex-wife is trying to get him to to switch to a food truck. And he's like, no, I'm a chef. I want to work in this high upscale restaurant, blah, 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 blah. And then he loses his job and uh, none of his other job opportunities work out. I was like, okay, I'll do a food truck and I'm really excited about it now. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of wonder if maybe... Yeah. I wonder if maybe Jon Favreau had too much control here. The fact that he did everything for this movie... Maybe he didn't have anybody giving him feedback and this was all just his idea and he didn't like run it by enough people. And that's why we have these issues. I don't know. I mean, generally, I like John Favreau. I like what he does. Um, honestly, I like this movie. Uh, like I know I've been saying a lot of things that I don't like, but overall, I still really enjoyed this movie. It's a lot of fun. It, you know, I think, I think it kind of goes back to the fact. And I think that just the movie being so for lack of a better word, upbeat. Um, it really helps it to, for, to sort of fit into that. This is just a good, comforting movie. This is mm-hmm. like a, this is a very nice movie to sit down and watch. Um, I will say uh, there is there is one big issue with this movie, and that's just the fact that this movie is the epitome of the uh, never-ending landscape uh, purgatory that, uh, John Favreau's friends, who are also actors, are seemingly stuck in and appearing in his projects. Because this was the first movie I watched of his that I was just like, oh, okay, so as long as John Favreau is writing and directing movies, Scarlett Johansson and Robert Downey Jr. are probably going to show up in them. Mm-hmm. Probably going to show up in them at some point. Which is fine. It's just, it's weird because they play characters in this movie, but they feel like total cameos yeah they do so yeah they they were pretty worthless i mean scarlett johansson's character was almost relevant to the plot and then robert downey jr's character not in the slightest i mean he he does have a function because he's the reason the guy gets a food truck but like we could have we could have fast forwarded past that i mean mean, like i said earlier you could take out that entire scene not miss a thing yeah to to use a to use a gaming analogy, you know, John, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is essentially like a quest giver. Like he gives he gives John Favreau this one thing they needs to progress, um, and then he goes. Hmm. Yeah, it's dangerous to go alone. Here, take this. Look, listen. <laughs> um, well, uh, do uh, do y'all have anything else to? To discuss with this film what y'all think of the kid okay kids are hard to get right in movies and i think that mj anthony does a really good job about 75 percent of the time but i think the writing 
hinders him the other 25% of the time. Um, and that's just because he walks that tightrope of being, of being a really smart, realistic kid, but also being incredibly annoying because he's a kid. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel that, but I liked him. Um, as child actors go, like nine times out of 10, they grate my nerves to no end. But then that other one time is somebody like Quivangene Wallace, who I just want to rave about to everyone who will listen. And this kid, I feel like is not quite that. And maybe it's just the writing, like Doug said, because honestly, as an actor, I think he did well. I think he was a good kid actor. Yeah. And the dad son relationship was one of the really good things about this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is, that is something that this movie, I I give this movie a lot of credit for, as you know, it shows a really good father son uh, dynamic on film, which you, I wouldn't say that you rarely see it, but you, it's not one of the usual dynamics that you see in film. Um, So I appreciate it for that. Yeah, it hit, it hit me right in the, um, in the in the fields, as as the young people would say, um, you know, I have um, kids about um, you know that his son's age, and um, you know, I love that I love that scene when they're in the French market in New Orleans, and you know, the son his son says, you know, I love New Orleans, and the dad says, you know, I love New Orleans too. And they're not talking about New Orleans. Um, and I mean, I, I just, you know, that makes me weep. Um, you know, it, it just, it's a, a beautiful moment between, you know. And, but like you said, Ben, it, it, it um, you know, all those beautiful emotions happen really fast and with a lot, not a lot of uh, uh, earned, um, you know, uh, they don't earn some of those, you know, big leaps that they take. And, and, and so, you know, I thought, you know, I agree with you, Elijah, you know, a lot of times child actors can be pretty um, um, forgettable or um, not great. Uh, but when they're good, um, you know, they can be really special. And, and I think that this, this guy is one of the, the special ones. All right. Well, I reckon it's time to score the sucker. So, Doug, why don't you get us started? All right. I enjoy this movie. I think it's a fun watch. Um, it's something that I can put on and just, you know, feel good about life. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a 79. Um, I think it's a I think it's a really solid movie that I will gladly watch again. Um I would just like to uh, take a minute to just say that I'm angry at Tristan Webb because I just realized why he's flaking on us on this podcast. And it's because he's at Brazilian Steakhouse, Fogo de Chao in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm mad about that. Um, So for the movie, I will give it a 79. For Tristan Webb, I will give him a 38. (laughs) Um, Doug, I was also going to give the movie a 79. It was good but also not good in some ways. And I'm glad I watched it. I am not eager to watch it again. I heard you say you've seen it three times and I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. If I watch it again, it'll be for 
the father-son dynamic. And I'll say also, I really like the relationship with Martin, the sous chef, um, you know, between him and the other, the, the three guys working the uh, food truck over the summer, their relationship, that was probably the best part of the movie. Um, so if I watch it again, it'll be for that. But I don't think this is a super rewatchable movie. It feels like a high C to me. <laughs> See, honestly, I don't even think it's that high. And honestly, I would watch this movie again. Um, I'm going to go a bit lower than you guys. Um, I'm going to give this a 65. Um, I enjoyed this movie, but I think this movie has a lot of problems um, yeah. that I have talked ad nauseum about and don't want to mention again. Uh, if I was going to rewatch this movie, I'd probably just start in the middle after they get to Florida. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Because then okay. I don't have all the, I can watch it without all these preconceived notions of things that they set up and then just do nothing with. Okay. All right. I, I take issues with your reasoning, but it's okay. Um, well, uh, Ben Robertson, why don't you bring us home with our final score? Well, yeah, I, I fully recognize um, and and hear what you're saying about the the faults in the film, especially the plot. You know, it, it um, you know, the, the, you know, it is not a uh, it is not an intellectual film. You know, it, it is not a um, you know uh, soul changing film in any way, uh, shape, or form. Um, but for some reason, um, you know, as I've said, you know, this has been a movie that I have loved since the first time I've, I saw it and is, um, you know, like comfort, like your favorite comfort food. It is one of my comfort movies. And so I will give it an 87. Very nice. Somehow I agree with both bins, even though <laughs> one gave it, you know, a, a grade level lower and one a grade level higher than Doug and I did. Somehow I kind of agree with both of you. Well, if it helps, uh, the average score is right around yours. Um, but yeah, after plugging that into our patented scoreometer, uh, we get a final score of a 77.5. So not too far off from uh, yours and Doug's score. So I think it works out. Yeah. I think if you haven't watched this movie yet, go and watch it. Cause I, I think it's definitely worth a watch regardless of regardless of if you think you're going to enjoy it or regardless of your thoughts on like the cast or anything like that. I think you're going to, I think there's something in this movie for just about everyone to like. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. It, I think it's definitely a movie worth watching. And one sort of side note um, I, I think the soundtrack is killer. Soundtrack's um, great. I the know, soundtrack has, is excellent. You know, it, it is quite a hodgepodge uh, of different styles, from you know uh, Cuban music to um, you know a second line brass band doing an excellent cover. Uh, you know, to um, the great, the uh, formerly mentioned uh, great musician. Gary Clark Jr. Thank you, Gary Clark Jr. But it, it is it is just um, it, it is a really fun soundtrack to listen to. It's a fun soundtrack to cook to. So, yeah, right on. Um, yeah, all in all, a fun movie. Now, uh, I don't know if anybody here has watched the movie that we're watching next week. Uh, but not. I know for a fact. In my opinion, not a fun movie. <laughs> 
No, it's a not a fun movie at all. At it. it doesn't look like a fun movie at all. Uh, because next week, friends, we are watching uh, a film by our good old friends at A24. We are watching The Florida Project. And it is depressing as all get out. Looks like it. And Tristan Webb loves it. Um, of course he does. Uh, Elijah, uh, Ben, have, have y'all seen The Florida Project? Nope. Oh, I know of the state of Florida. Is it? it does it have anything to do with Florida Man? Uh, kind of. There, there are a couple characters in it that I'm just like, that's a Florida man. Um, is it a documentary about Florida Georgia Line? No, uh, no, no. no. Uh, although that would be funny if it was like a two part documentary. Um, this was the Florida Project, and the next part was the Georgia Project. And then uh, be sure to check out the prequel, The Line Project. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, be sure to tune in next week as we talk about The Florida Project, which I think is an existential dread of a movie. Um, and Tristan Webb thinks is a wholesome family film. Um, I wouldn't say that, but you know. Uh, but it does have our good friend Willem Dafoe in it, so definitely looking forward to that oh that would be um, something yeah uh ben uh you have social media information for I everybody do. uh yeah be sure to keep up with all the cool stuff we do on social media uh at viner media uh unfortunately we are not on vine because vine does not exist anymore mm. uh, we are also not on tiktok because we are not hip with the youth okay but, but hold up wait, wait, we are we on facebook on twitter and instagram where you can check out all the cool stuff we do yeah we could fix that we can make a tiktok we can definitely get on tiktok i mean if anyone wants to do it go for it I've been Dad. trying to talk. I've been trying to talk Ben Robertson into us doing a TikTok. Uh, just, uh, just uh, him, myself, and a couple, uh, a couple folks here at the church that we work at. <laughs> Let's put um, that. Well, yeah, uh, we've got new episodes with Setting the Skeen every Wednesday. Uh, T is still on a hiatus, but we'll be back at some point. Yeah. Um, no but way. yeah, until next week. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. And, and I'm the other Ben. Yeah, there we go. And this has been Setting the Skein. You guys will have a great week.